Good morning, everyone. Jesus 
death that satisfied and through faith in him you got peace with God 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 who oh, reconciled through the death of Christ you're the object of God's love so rest upon the Savior's word Eat the bread that's from above Hold on to his promises Be assured Don't you doubt that you got peace with God 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 you don't have to worry anymore You and God are no longer in a war You are in God's family In grace God's given freely Rejoicing all that He has given you child of God you must understand that when you believed in the Son in grace you forever stand Jesus death that satisfied and through faith in him you got peace with God 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 All right, let me hang up the guitar I'll be right back with you All right, uh, good morning again to all of you. Could you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And we're continuing our study of um, the book of Ephesians. We finished off the introduction uh, last week, an eight-hour introduction. And then we st started our verse-by-verse -verse study of Ephesians on this past Saturday. 
And uh, we noted uh, on Saturday, last Saturday, we noted the identification of the author in this letter, uh, Paul. And then we pointed out uh, in the last class on Tuesday, uh, the identification of the recipients who were not only the Christians in the Christian, not only Christians in the, uh, in the city of Ephesus, but also the various Christian communities in the, in, in the various cities of the Roman province of Asia. So uh, that was, those were the recipients. And so today, uh, that in Tuesday, that finished off our study of verse 1. And now today we're going to be no, lo, looking at verse 2. Uh, and uh, we'll be noting that the, the greeting of this letter, which is in this verse. So, uh, which is that's simply a greeting, um, in, you know, in normal Greco-Roman uh, letter writing. Uh, this is actually a spirit-inspired desire that the Apostle Paul had for the recipients of this letter, as we'll see. And uh, when he talks about grace and peace, he, you know, that are from the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he's thinking of something in particular when he talks about grace and peace. So we're going to talk about that. And it's related to the contents of this epistle. So um, that's uh, what we're going to be looking at today as we uh, continue our uh, study of the Ephesian epistle. And um, so let's take a moment of silent prayer. This is our custom. We take this moment of silent prayer to examine ourselves to determine if we're in fellowship with God. Because any mental, verbal, or overactive sin that we knowingly commit will cause us to lose fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to the Father, He, God, the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In other words, He purifies us from each and every wrongdoing. We maintain that fellowship, of course, by obeying the Holy Spirit, who speaks to us through the Scriptures which He's inspired. And that's when we're obeying the commands of Ephesians 5, 18, to be filled with the Spirit, and correspondingly Colossians 3, 16, to let the Word of Christ richly dwell in our souls. And if there's anything that's bothering you, disturbing or distracting you, do what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. So with that in mind, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us, another day to study your word. We thank you for this study in Ephesians. We pray that this study would be a blessing to the body of Christ now and in the future through the recordings on our various websites, podcasts, and media platforms that you've given to us. I pray that you use those mightily and protect them from the evil one. I thank you for those who are joining us live today, and we thank you for YouTube providing that live streaming service and uh, with the closed captioning, which is great for people who are hearing impaired, and we have those people. I just uh, thank you, Father, for technology, the people taking advantage of it. And I just pray, Father, today that your people in the audience, that they would be able to understand and apply and concentrate and re and rejoice over what they're hearing and uh, through the power of the Spirit so that they can receive the necessary spiritual nourishment and continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son. I just pray, Father, also that by the power of the Spirit, you'll help me to uh, deliver your full counsel to your people here uh, so that they can uh, receive their necessary spiritual nourishment, to do so with reverence and respect and power. Help me to be humble and sensitive to the Spirit's guidance and direction, along with the audience doing the same. And I also pray there be, again, no, no problems with the technology. I pray there be no problems with the recordings, the video, and the audio. And they upload these things to our various websites, podcasts, and media platforms that you've given to us. So I just pray for this service. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name, Father. Amen. All right, you should be at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to um, wrap up the introduction to this uh, letter, which is in the first two verses, as I said before the opening prayer. We noted in verse 1 the identification of the author, Paul, and the recipients of this letter, who are the Christian, various Christian communities throughout the Roman province of Asia, not just the Ephesian Christian community. 
and uh, we gave our reasons why. Now today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 1-2, which uh, wraps up the introduction to the letter, and uh, it contains the greeting in this epistle. So without further ado, let's look at the Net Bibles, and, and not only their translation of these two verses, but also the NIV and the ESV, as well as mine, my translation. So, and I'm reading first of all from the Net Bible, it says in Ephesians 1-1, from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the NIV, they render these verses, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The ESV translates these verses, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, uh, my translation of these verses, let me just give you my translation. And uh, let's see, can I go over here? Sorry. All right, there it is. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will to the saints who are living in Ephesus, specifically to those who are believers in Christ Jesus, may the grace originating from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, resulting in peace, cause itself to be manifested for the benefit of each and every one of you. Now you can see from my translation, it's verse 2, it's considerably different, and even in verse 1, I give you my reasons why that I have that phrase specifically to those who believe in Christ Jesus rather than the faithful because uh, the preposition N is often used in Paul, several times in Paul's writings as a marker of the object of Christian's faith and that's how it's used here and we also noted this prepositional phrase in relation to its cognate noun, pistis uh, and also uh, it, it has um, as, it, as its object uh, uses the preposition N as a marker of the object of a person's faith, the Christian's faith, Jesus Christ. And uh, we, so we went through that in detail. If you want to know the, the details of that, look at that last class, or you can download the article when it's uploaded to our website in the future. And today, you can see my verse, verse two, I'm going to explain my translation here. Uh, it's a bit different uh, than, uh, quite a bit different, actually, if you read it from the, uh, the other translations I gave you, are all great translations. So uh, well, I'll be explaining why my translation, why I have that translation. May the grace originating from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ resulting in peace cause itself to be manifested for the benefit of each and every one of you. So, uh, we see that uh, um, while Ephesians 1.1, as we pointed out, contains identification of the author and the recipients of this epistle, Ephesians 1.2 contains the greeting. It contains the greeting of this epistle. And together, verses 1 and 2, as I said a few moments ago, compose the salutation or the introduction to this letter. Now, Ephesians 1.2 is Paul's spirit-inspired desires, we'll see, that the grace originating from the Father, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ, would cause itself to enter into the state of being manifested for the benefit of each and every one of the recipients of this letter. So this grace, as we'll see, is in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians. So therefore, Paul's Spirit-inspired desire is that the grace originating from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents of this letter, would cause itself to enter into the state of being manifested for the benefit of each and every one of the recipients of this letter. And this would take place when they obey the Spirit-inspired request, commands, and prohibitions that Paul issues in this letter. So it's not just a, a typical greeting that you would see in Greco and Roman write, uh, letter writing. It's actually a, a Spirit-inspired desire that Paul has for the recipients of this letter. In other words, that the grace of God in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents, Spirit-inspired contents of this letter 
would be man, would be applied, uh, uh, listened to, and obeyed, and, and have faith in, and obeyed the experience by the contents of this letter, so that the grace and peace may may cause itself to be manifest. God's grace and peace might be manifested among the recipients of this letter. So again, and I'll be explaining my again this uh, interpretation. Paul's spirit, verse two, has Paul's spirit-inspired desire that the grace originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents of this letter would cause itself to enter into the state of being manifested for the benefit of each and every one of the recipients of this letter. And this would take place again when the recipients of this letter obey the Spirit-inspired request, commands, and prohibitions that Paul issues in this letter. Now, the word haris, uh, which is translated grace in your Bibles, this is haris is in the Greece, this is how it, Greek, this is how it looks, and this is, uh, and this is uh, the transliteration. In fact, um, here's the, the Greek text of, of, uh, of, of Ephesians 1, 2. Haris human kai irene apotheo petros hemon kai curio yeso Christo. That's how it would sound in, when it was read to the you know, Ephesians uh, or the people, various Christian communities that received this letter it would be read to them by a lector or the pastor. And, bef- and then they would read it, of course, later after they made copies. So this word, haris, grace, it refers to the means by which grace might be received. Namely, through the mind and thinking of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, which is inspired by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit, through the communication of the Word of God to the believer, reveals the Father's grace policy to the believer. So this word grace refers uh, to the Holy Spirit, speaking through the communication of the Word of God to the believer's human spirit, or new nature, regarding the will of the Father. So by responding in faith to the Spirit's appeal here in verse 2, the recipients of this letter would be obedient to the commands in Ephesians 1, 5, 18 and Colossians 3, 16, which when obeyed produced the same results. Ephesians 5, 18, uh, to be influenced or filled by the Holy Spirit. And Colossians 3, 16, to let the word of Christ richly dwell in our souls. It says in Ephesians 5, 18, and the net Bible, and do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled or influenced, we could say, by the Holy Spirit, the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit. And then Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in your uh, richly in you, teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with, all with grace in your hearts to God. In fact, if you look at the rest of uh, following Ephesians 5.18, it sounds just like Colossians. So he says, do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all manifestations of being filled with the Spirit, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, <clears throat> always giving thanks to God the Father for each and other in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they bear the same results, both commands, obedience to both commands. And it should be the case because the Spirit inspired the Word of God. <laughs> That's why. So, in Ephesians 1-2, <clears throat> with this word grace, we have the figure of speech called metonymy. And for those who are on the podcast, it's M-E-T-O-N-Y-M-Y is how you spell this figure of speech, metonymy. And here we have uh, this this uh, figure of metonymy. Metonymy means the effect is put for the cause, or in other words, the thing affected, and that's effected, for the instrument which affects it. So again, in Ephesians 1-2, with this word, hades, grace, we have the figure of speech called metonymy, meaning the effect is put for the cause, or in other words, the thing affected for the instrument which affects it. So here, grace is put for the word of God, which affects grace. And so therefore, the Spirit of God, speaking through the communication of the word of God to the believer's human spirit, regarding the will of the Father, is the means by which grace is received by the believer. Uh, if you look at, uh, let's see Colossians chapter 1 first, uh, for a second. Hold your place. Colossians 1.1. 1, 1. 
Colossians, actually start at Colossians 1.3. I'm just going to get my uh, translation of Colossians, which I worked really hard on, <laughs> like all of them. In fact, you know what? I'm going to read from my translation of this verse. Look at Colossians uh, 1, 3 of my translation. We continue making it our habit of giving thanks to God, namely the, fa the Father of our Lord, who is Jesus, who is the Christ, when we make it our habit of occupying ourselves with praying on behalf of each and every one of you as a corporate unit. Verse 4, we do this because we heard about your faith in Christ, who is Jesus, and in addition, uh, your love, which you continue to regularly demonstrate for the benefit of each and every one of the saints. All of you, he says in verse 5, do this because of the confident expectation, which is as an eternal spiritual truth reserved in the heavens for all of you. Expectation of rewards. All of you heard this by means of the teaching, which is the truth, namely the proclamation of the gospel. And then look what he says in verse 6 in which gospel all of you continue to appropriate for the benefit of all of you, just as in fact throughout the entire world, it, it, the gospel, continues to produce fruit as well as spread, so also it continues to produce fruit as well as spread among all of you from the day all of you obeyed. And then he says, consequently, all of you acquired an objective experiential knowledge of the grace originating from God by means of the truth. Okay, so they, they had an experiential knowledge of the grace of God, which is actually what Paul wants the, the recipients of Ephesians to have as well. And uh, experiencing that grace of God is by means of the truth, obeying the truth, exercising faith in the truth and obeying the truth. So if you look at uh, the uh, verse 5 of the Net Bible of Colossians 1.5, it says, Your faith and love have risen from the hope laid up for you in heaven which you heard about in the message of truth, the gospel, that has come to you, just as in the entire world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, so it has also been bearing fruit and growing among you from the first day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Actually, it should be by means of truth, that they try to translate it in truth, which is fine, but it, to be more accurate, it's uh, by means of truth. So, here in Ephesians 1, 2, you can go back to Ephesians now. Go back to Ephesians 1, 1. So, in Ephesians 1-2, this word hieris again is, uh, contains the figure of metonymy, meaning the effect is put for the cause, or in other words, the thing affected for the instrument, which affects it. So here, this would indicate to us that grace is put for the word of God, which effects grace. So therefore, the Spirit of God, speaking through the communication of the word of God to the believer's human spirit regarding the will of the Father, is the means by which grace is received by the believer. So the greeting again, as I said before in the opening prayer, uh, and just after it, I think it was when I said this I mean, in passing, the greeting here in Ephesians 1 2 is more than just that, but rather it is in fact a spirit inspired desire that the recipients of this letter, namely the Christian community in the Roman province of Asia, would respond to Paul's apostolic teaching in this epistle regarding the will of the Father for them and its spirit inspired apostolic teaching that's in this letter. So, Paul under the ministry of the Holy Spirit is appealing to the church to respond to his doctrinal teaching in this letter which originates from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not speaking of grace at justification or conversion, but the grace or God's provision for uh, after conversion, after justification. So this is the grace we need after justification, and that grace is in the form of the Spirit-inspired Scriptures. So the grace of God is God's provision for, of eternal, sal uh, eternal salvation and a, an eternal relationship and, and, um, and fellowship with the triune God, and there's a typo here in my notes, I apologize for that. The grace of God is God's provision of a, an eternal relationship and a post-conversion fellowship with Him. And we're, as Christians, we're 
experiencing that grace now after our justification, our conversion. So Paul's stating here in Ephesians 1, 2, that the Christian community in the Roman province of Asia would experience the peace of God in and amongst themselves as a result of appropriating the grace of God as it is communicated by the Spirit through the teaching of the Word of God. Now the word erene, peace, in Ephesians 1, 2, it refers to the peace of God that is produced by the Spirit in and among believers. This is very important, not just in the believer as an individual, but in their interaction with each other. So in other words, if you appropriate the grace of God by exercising faith and obedience to the various Spirit-inspired commands, prohibitions, and requests in this Ephesian letter, if the recipients of this letter do that, and this is true of us too, uh, then there'll be peace in our own souls as individuals and when interacting with other members of the body of Christ that are reading these contents of this letter. So again, peace refers to the peace of God that is produced by the Spirit in and among believers. And in, 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 I would say in believers as individuals and amongst each other when they interact with each other. So the Spirit does this when believers obey the commands and prohibitions that he guides Paul in issuing them in this epistle. So this is why we have church splits and divisions is because many times is because of not everybody's obeying what the Spirit's teaching in the Scriptures. And therefore, there's no peace among individuals. That's why a lot of people don't have peace in their soul because they're disobedient to God's Word. Or they're, they, they're, they're uh, indifferent toward it. Or they could care less. Uh, they're just, uh, you know, not interested. And it's manifested in their lives as individuals, having a lack of peace. And, uh, and also in their interaction with people, not only in the Christian community, but outside the Christian community. A lot of times these people are difficult people to, to, uh, to live with and interact with each other because they don't, and I'm talking about Christians, they don't practice what the Word of God's teaching. So therefore they don't have peace as individuals, they don't have peace with interacting with other Christians. So this peace that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 1, 2 will be produced in the hearts of the individual members of the Christian community in the Roman province of Asia by the teaching of Christ, which is communicated by Paul's Spirit-inspired teaching, which he communicated to them when he was present with them, and communicated in writing in this epistle. And uh, if they continue to obey this teaching, then they will continue to experience this peace as individuals and when interacting with each other. So Paul's teaching, remember, it originates with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to communicate the teaching of Jesus Christ. So therefore, Paul, by obeying Paul's Spirit-inspired teaching in this letter, the peace produced by this teaching originating from Christ would rule within the hearts of the recipients of this letter. That's why he says in Colossians, look at my translation of Colossians 3, I think we'll start you at 3.15, I think. Let me say. Uh, no, look at verse 12. My translation of Colossians 3.12 through 16 will do. It says, Therefore, because each and every one of you are elected by God the Father, holy as well as divinely loved, I solemnly charge the clothing of yourselves with compassion, which is the product of deep-seated affections, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Simultaneously, verse 13, continue to make it your habit of tolerating one another while also continuing to make it your habit of graciously forgiving each other. And I don't know what happened there. I hit the wrong thing. And so uh, then it says in, in the rest of the verse, whenever anyone possesses a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord, in fact, graciously forgave each and every one of you for his own glory, so also in the same way, each and every one of you must continue to make it your habit of graciously forgiving one another. Specifically, oh, that I'm just thinking, oh, if the Christian community, many Christian communities don't practice this. They don't want to forgive each other. They're stubborn. They're set in their own ways. It's got to be their way or the highway. They have power plays and their own agendas. 
they don't care about the things of Christ. They're all about themselves and they're going to be disciplined by God. <laughs> Verse 14, specifically, based upon these things, I solemnly charge each and every one of you to clothe yourselves with divine love, he says, which is as an eternal spiritual truth, the perfect bond of unity. There you go. You practice the command to love one another and all that entails, you'll have unity experientially in the Christian community. Verse 15, consequently, now look what he says, Consequently, the peace produced by the teaching of the one and only Christ must continue to habitually rule within your hearts, for which purpose each and every one of you were effectually called into union with one body. Therefore, each and every one of you must continue to make it your habit of being characterized by thankfulness. Then he says in verse 16, therefore, he says, he says, the teaching originating from and about the one and only Christ must continue to exist in a state of dwelling abundantly among each and every one of you. Each of you must execute this command by continuing to make it your habit of providing instruction, specifically by providing instruction for one another with regards to proper conduct. Each of you must continue this instruction by means of a wisdom, which is absolute, it's divine, by means of psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Each of you must execute the command by continuing to make it your habit of singing with gratitude with your entire being for the benefit of God the Father. So here, you can go back now to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Here in Ephesians 1, 2, Paul informs the recipients of this epistle that this grace, which is manifested through the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians, will result in peace in and among the recipients of this letter, and that it originates from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, here in Ephesians 1, 2, Paul's informing the recipients of this letter that this grace, which is manifested through the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians, will result in peace in and among the recipients of this letter, and it originates from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this means that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are the source. That's why I have it in quotes here. They're the source of this grace that are expressed through the instructions in this epistle and appropriated by faith in these instructions resulting in obedience. So they're also the source of peace, uh, which is produced by the Spirit in them as individuals when interacting with each other, when they obey Paul's Spirit-inspired commands and prohibitions in this letter. So uh, this is not the only place, Ephesians 1-2 is not the only place in Paul's writings in which he asserts that grace and peace originate from, bo from both uh, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, since he makes this same declaration all of his letters. Uh, look at Romans 1-7. Paul writes to the Roman Christian community, which he had not yet met at that time when he wrote this, to all those loved by God in Rome, called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he, look at uh, 1 Corinthians 1-3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1-2. Grace and and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You got Galatians 1.3. It says, Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's probably the nicest thing he said to them in the whole letter too. He wasn't happy with those guys. And then we have Philippians 1.2. Grace and peace to you from God the, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.2. It says to the saints, the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We have uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 2. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll give you one more because I don't want to give you all of them, <laughs> but I could. It says to Timothy, my genuine child in the faith, 1 Timothy 1, 2. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's also, you see this greeting in 2 Timothy 1, 2, Titus 1, 4, and Philemon 3. So you get the point. So notice, in all these passages, including Ephesians 1, 2, the Lord Jesus Christ 
is presented by Paul as equal to the Father, thus expressing the deity of Jesus Christ. Since the source of these divine blessings are described as originating not from only the Father, but also the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very, this is a, these greetings that you see in Paul's writings could be used to affirm uh, and support the Christian teaching of the deity of Christ. A lot of people overlook this. So, because these blessings originate not only from God the Father, you know, we're not disputing his deity, but a lot of people dispute the deity of Christ. Well, how come he is not only the Father's a source of these blessings, but also the Lord Jesus Christ is? And why is Paul doing that? Because actually those blessings from the Father are mediated through the person of Christ and his work and the Spirit, of course, after justification. They're not justification. So these blessings uh, are uh, mediated through Jesus Christ. But he, so he is, he is the, um, the mediator between God and man. And so, therefore, Jesus Christ is being affirmed here, and his, de- his divine nature is being affirmed in these greetings when Paul says grace and peace originate from God the Father and, in addition, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are the source of grace and peace, which extend from both them to every church-age believer without exception. Uh, you know, this, the grace of God is, uh, originates actually from the attribute of God's love. The grace um, is uh, the what is grace? It's unmerited blessings that are given to us. Paul talks about these in the in the in the preface. Worthy of praising uh, is God the Father, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Those are unmerited blessings. That means unmerited meaning we don't earn or deserve these things. God gives them as a gift, like our salvation, and it's a gift. Our fellowship with God, post justification relationship with Him, is a gift. We don't earn a dessert. We don't pay for a gift. We just receive a gift. And so, uh, and interestingly enough, grace and peace could not flow to us sinners. Remember, this is why God, the Son, had to become a human being because we sinners, everybody in the human race, all the sinful humanity, we needed a mediator between both the Father and the human race. And so, Jesus Christ, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.5, is the mediator between God and man. So that's why people say, well, what do I need to believe in Jesus Christ to get saved? What at the minimum? Well, you have to believe he's both God and man, you know? And you have to believe he rose from the dead because if he doesn't rise from the dead, his death is meaningless. His resurrection actually demonstrates that the Father accepted what he did on the cross as the payment for our sins. And so therefore, uh, that's very, at essential, so you have to believe he's both God and man because we need a mediator between both God and man and you have to believe he's raised from the dead, which demonstrates he's God. And if he's the mediator between God and man, so he's... You know, so that's very important because if he's not raised from the... So literally people say, oh, you know, you just have to believe in Jesus. Well, how, which Jesus are you talking about? Of course, you have to have no... The, the, the Jesus of the gospel. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 and, and other places, right? So what about his death and resurrection? Okay. So we see that... Uh, which actually his resurrection actually is vindicating Jesus and affirming the fact that he's the mediator between God and man, thus by implication, affirming that he is his son that he is God. So that's very important. So God, so grace is unmerited blessings. So when Christ was on, on the cross, when he was suffering the wrath of God, and he suffered the wrath of God, we studied redemption, propitiation, reconciliation before we started the epistle of Jude in, in, in Nowood, Massachusetts, which we finished at Jude out here in, in Huntsville, Alabama, where I am now broadcasting. But we did redemption, propitiation, reconciliation before we did Jude when I was in Massachusetts. And those are very important teachings because uh, it tells us why we get this grace and this peace. 
we have peace with God and we got, God has given us unmerited blessings and we have peace with him because of what his son did on the cross. We are all under the wrath of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the whole teaching of Romans, the first three chapters of Romans. So God becomes a man, the son becomes a man, and he lives the life of perfect obedience under the law that we couldn't live because we're sinners by nature and practice. And so he lived it perfectly. And then he suffered the wrath of God. He suffered for the consequences of our sins. We didn't suffer for the consequences of our sins, which would be in the wrath of, facing the wrath of God in the lake of fire forever. So God didn't want us to do that. He wanted his son to do that in our place so that he could have a eternal relationship and a fellowship with his creatures that were created in his image. So when Jesus suffered the wrath of God, he was, you know, he cried out, his spiritual death is when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, that was what he was terrified about. And that's why he was in prayer about in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he would be abandoned from his father for the first time ever and no, con no communications with him. Of course, he offered himself up, according to Hebrews 9, 14, through the eternal spirit, which manifested itself that he was quoting spirit-inspired uh, scripture about himself on the cross from the Old Testament. So the father abandons him. Those last three hours of darkness on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about that for a second. Because if, if that doesn't happen, we don't get grace. We don't get grace and unmerited blessings flowing to us and we don't get peace with God. We're under the wrath of God if he doesn't do that. He also suffered the physical torture of the cross, the crucifixion, the two scourgings he had and physical death and also the abuse was heaped upon him. So, at his trial, he was, he had a, a, a trial was a mockery. It was a, it was a kangaroo court. So he suffered injustice at the hands of the, the Jewish leaders. And Pilate knew he was innocent and still didn't free him just to keep the Jews happy because he was in trouble with Rome. So, uh, you know, and so he, Jesus suffers the wrath of God in our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer the wrath of God forever in the lake of fire. And then he died physically and then he rose from the dead on the third day which was God's seal of approval on him that he has accepted his son experiencing the wrath of God on the cross for us in our place to, as the payment for our sins to reconcile us sinners to a holy God. And so therefore, that propitiated the Father, Jesus facing his, experiencing the wrath of God in our place. That satisfied the Father's justice and righteousness, his holiness. So now grace can flow to us. If he doesn't do that, there's no, no unmerited blessings that are coming to us, only the wrath of God and no peace. So one of the greatest things that we could ever have, people, is peace. It's nothing like being having peace. You know, when you're not, you, the people, a lot of people are in our world and they have no peace. They're guilt-stricken. They've made a lot of mistakes in life. We all have. We all have our skeletons in the closet. We've all done things we're ashamed of. Uh, we've all hurt people that we love. We've all done things we should, we didn't do things we should have done. And uh, with sins of omission, so sins of commission. We, you know, we've all got, we're all a mess, okay? We're all an absolute mess. Everyone is. Keep that in mind, okay? And yet, you know, God, uh, he, he, he gives us salvation as a gift through faith in his son. Unmerited blessings pour to, into our lives because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And people in the world don't have this peace and they can have it. You know, they can have peace in their soul. They can be wiped away. The guilt can be wiped away because Christ died for that sin that you committed against whoever it was. Okay, and uh, you know, so the guilt is, you know, the the guilt is taken away. And when you're as a believer, and when you confess your sins, you're you're experiencing that grace and that peace again. You know, if you don't confess your sins, like a lot of Christians are not doing today, you're not going to have peace with God. 
The Holy Spirit will see to that. He'll give you conviction that you should be confessing your sins. So, grace and peace flow to us. Grace in the form of unmerited blessings that flow from God's attribute of love. They flow to us. And peace with God, we receive peace with God in our souls as individuals uh, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior at our justification. Now, after justification, unmerited blessings, the communication of these blessings are communicated to us through the Spirit-inspired contents of Scripture, like Ephesians. And when we exercise faith in those Spirit-inspired commands and prohibitions and requests, we're going to have peace in in our souls as individual believers, and also when we interact with other believers who are doing the same. All right, so that's very important. So grace and, and so our point of contact with God as sinners is the justice and righteousness of God. How can you say that? Well, it's very simple. Grace and peace. It's not the love of God that we have our point of contact with, because God's love was the was the motivation for sending His Son to the cross. We know that, but His justice and righteousness had to be dealt with. He had to be propitiated, and that's why I say our point of contact with God is the justice and righteousness of God. Because Christ was judged for our sins, and then God in his ju- imputed in His righteousness, His Son's righteousness to us at the moment of our justification. The justice and righteousness of God did that. And so therefore, we received this as a gift, and so now we're declared justified. Okay, The justice and righteousness of God declared us justified because of that, receiving that gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ at our justification. Then, so then God's motive for doing this, his attribute of love. And once we have come into God's family, we have all these unmerited blessings, not just spiritual blessings, related to our union identification with Christ, which we're going to talk a lot about in this letter. And, and, uh, and also, uh, not only that, but um, you know, we have all these blessings, but we also have material blessings that we really haven't gonna, are not going to see until we're in a resurrection body and reigning with Christ for a thousand years in the millennial reign and in the new heavens and new earth. So you are going, are filthy, going to be filthy rich materially. You might not be now in this life. Uh, you might not be at all. You might be poor and not have two nickels to rub together. Okay, But uh, you are actually very wealthy and very rich because you're in union with the, the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills, the one who created gold and silver, <laughs> you know, the one who gave, you know, Bill Gates his fortune and, uh, you know, all these guys, I'm a self-made man and Elon Musk and all that. No, God gave him all that stuff. He worked out the circumstances, put him in this world, understood family in this country. He could have put Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Rockefeller. Uh, he could have put him over in, uh, in Pakistan in some poor little hut, <laughs> but he didn't No, he, he imputed his soul to a, a body which was going to be in America in the 21st century the, and the richest war, uh, richest country in the history of the world. <laughs> we have more luxuries than we can shake a stick at. It's unbelievable. We're crazy rich. Even the even the even the low class and the middle class or the, the slower classes in this country they have central air. I know that because I I used to live in a I, I lived in a low income housing place for nine years in in, in Marion, Iowa, and. Uh, they had central air, and we were. There was low income housing. Imagine that. So, which I'm eternally grateful. I love it central air, and so you know we 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 have material blessings that are going to be experienced by us. But won't and you know we to a certain measure we might we're probably might be experiencing some of these material blessings, but really the real the, the ones we want to experience when we're in a resurrection body and reigning with Christ and the creation of the new heavens and new earth. But peace is what the world needs now, right? And, uh, you know, uh, was Burke Bacharach just passed away, right? And so what the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? 
Well, they need the love. They need to respond to the love of God. That's what they need by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, who's the Father's love gift to us. And so, and then these blessings will pour out on us. And uh, that's what God wants to do to His creatures. His, that He created in His image. He doesn't want to send anybody to the lake of fire. Not one person. He didn't even want Hitler to go to the lake of fire, or Stalin, or Jeffrey Dahmer, or whoever you want to talk about. Bill Lynch. He doesn't want any of them to go to the lake of fire. He Christ died for everyone. Unlimited atonement. You know, so grace and peace, grace and peace originated from not only God the Father, as we can see here in Ephesians 1, 2, but the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Why? Because all blessings flow to the believer because of the merits of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, as well as the believer's eternal union with Jesus. Now, if you look at the Net Bible, it says uh, uh, in the, um, we'll hop back to Ephesians. Let me flip back there. In Ephesians uh, 1, 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it says, to you. Now the word there is the dative second person plural form of the personal pronoun su. It, it's translated to you by the uh, the Net Bible. Uh, if you notice, I translate it uh, for, uh, for the benefit of each and every one of you. And here's why. I'll give you my reasons. First of all, first and foremost, this word su, you, it's in the plural, so it means literally all of you. It refers to the Christian community in the Roman province of Asia as a corporate unit. And it's also, though, used in a distributive sense, emphasizing no exceptions. And so you could translate each and every one of you, expressing the idea that Paul and Tim, uh, Paul's concern for each member of this community. And now you have Sylvanus here, and I don't know why I do that. That's a typo there. Let me just get rid of that. That's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> that is just going to drive me crazy. I, I, you know, I go over these things so many times and, you know, I got to go and edit them and it's, son of a, it's really tough sometimes. It's hard to edit yourself all the time. You do it all the time. So again, this word Sue, you, it means actually literally all of you because it's in the plural form and it refers therefore to the Christian community of the Roman province of Asia as a corporate unit, but it means each and every one of you as a corporate unit because it's also used in a distributive sense, emphasizing no exceptions, expressing Paul's concern for each member of this community. Now this word is a dative of interest, which indicates the person interested in the verbal action, or we could say a dative of advantage. It's for the benefit or the advantage of the recipients of the letter that they, uh, that they experience the grace of God and peace of God by appropriating by faith the Spirit-inspired contents of the Ephesian epistle. So therefore this indicates that Paul's spirit-inspired desire is that the grace originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ would cause itself to enter into the state of being manifested for the benefit of each and every one of the recipients of this epistle when they obey the spirit-inspired contents of this letter. Now, when it says grace and peace, the word and there is the conjunction chi. I translate it resulting in because I believe it's, uh, if you look at it, it's functioning as a marker of result. And that's expressing the idea that the recipients of this epistle would experience the peace of God in and amongst themselves as a result of appropriating God's grace by faith as it's communicated to them by the Spirit through the teaching of the Word of God. So when the God's grace and merit blessings are poured out uh, on the, the hearts of the recipients of this letter and they exercise faith in what Paul's teaching in this letter, which is from the Spirit, uh, they're going to experience peace, right? Okay? And that's the result of appropriating by faith God's grace as it's communicated in this letter by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then 
you know, the uh, the Net Bible and the Uzmar translations, it, it doesn't have a verb in there, if you notice. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of guys realize there's, there's a figure of ellipsis there in the verse, um, which I'm going to talk about in a second. I translate, it's I believe the ginomai is actually uh, being omitted, but it's implied. And this happens in a lot of Paul's greetings and also his, his, his closing of his letters. You'll see him omitting these words or... Uh, like Amy or Ginomai. So Paul is using here the figure of ellipsis, meaning that he's deliberately omitting the third person singular aorist middle optative form of the verb Ginomai, which means to cause oneself to be manifested in this context. It has a wide semantic range just like Amy does. So therefore, uh, this would indicate that Paul's spirit-inspired desire is that the grace originating from God the Father, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ, which is expressed, as we pointed out, through the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians, would cause itself to be manifested, quote-unquote, among the recipients of this epistle. So this would take place when they obey the Spirit-inspired requests, commands, and prohibitions that Paul issues this uh, Christian community in Roman province of Asia in this letter. So the optative mood of this verb is what we call a voluntative optative, and that simply expresses an obtainable wish or prayer. And it's frequently an appeal to the will, in particular, when used in prayer. So here, the volatative, optative mood here is expressing Paul's spirit-inspired desire. It's a prayer request that he used to offer to the Father. It's, a, it's a expressing Paul's spirit-inspired desire that the grace originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ would cause itself to be manifested among the recipients of this epistle when they obey his spirit-inspired requests, prohibitions, and commands in this letter. The aorist tense of this verb is an aggressive aorist, emphasizing the beginning of an action or entrance into a state. Here, it's used, of course, with reference to the grace originating from the Father and the Lord, Jesus Christ, in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians, entering into the state of causing itself to be manifested among the recipients of this letter when they apply its contents by faith. The middle voice is interesting as well. It's a causative middle, meaning that the grace originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians as the subject does something to itself. So the causative middle talks about uh, 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 a causative action, something the subject is causing a certain thing to take place. So again, the middle voice of the verb genomai is a causative middle, meaning that the grace originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of the Spirit-inspired contents of Ephesians as the subject does something to itself. So the subject does something to itself, that's the causative middle. So therefore, the causative middle of the voice of this verb, genomai, which is omitted due to Paul's use of the figure of ellipsis because it's also implied, of course. So the causative middle voice of this verb is expressing the idea of the grace originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ causing itself, quote-unquote, to be manifested among the recipients of this letter. And this, again, would take place when they obey its Spirit-inspired contents, which communicates the grace of God and thus expresses the love of God for the recipient. So these, you've heard me say, this letter is is, um, actually, God's word is God's love letters to his children and to the human race, really. But to to his children, now that we're the the household of God, we're children of God through faith in Jesus at our justification, these these letters that were in the New Testament and these there's there and also the whole the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, inspired by God, right? They're God's love letters to us. We're the bride of Christ, are we not? Yes, we are. 
and the future where the body members of the body of Christ with the future bride of Christ and so therefore these are God's love letters to his children and so in the in the in the father son and the holy spirit want us to know some things about God about who he is his character and nature what he's done for us in the past what he's doing for us now what he'll do for us in the future he wants us to know what the consequences are for being obedient and faithful in this life which is rewards for faithful service at the Bema seat he wants us to know that his son could return at every time to give us the resurrection body and perfect us and, and so that we never sin again at that time. Uh, he wants us to know the consequences of not being faithful in this life, which is loss of rewards. You're saved, yet, but through, yet, yet it's through fire, you don't lose your salvation. He wants you to know that. And so uh, this, what the word, the Holy Spirit through the communication of the word of God is doing for us. It's God's grace. And so, I don't think a lot of Christians realize that God's grace is pouring out on them as they hear the, the teaching of the Word of God or when they're own, in their own sanctified time along with God in prayer and the word, prayerful study of the Word of God. And when they're, it's also happening when they're in the, in the congregation listening to the pastor communicate accurately the Word of God. So grace is being poured out on us. In other words, God is expressing His love by communicating these things that He wants us to know, and, uh, and which, is our, which is for our benefit. And so he wants us to know he has a plan for our lives. It all comes from the word of God. It's a blessing from God to know, have a purpose in life. People wake up in the morning, they have no purpose in life. They have no reason to get up in the morning. And listen to me, there are people, they have a reason to get up in the morning because their wife or their husband or their kids or uh, their job uh, or uh, this, that, or other thing. Or, the, you know, some, you know they're, they, they, they're a musician. They get up in the morning and they're, they're driven to get up every morning because they're a great musician or singer or songwriter, or they're, they're a very wealthy business person. They enjoy going to work because they're making a lot of money. Uh, they, but you know what? What happens when all those things are getting taken away from us? Then where you getting your purpose up to get up in the morning? Your purpose should be, as a child of God, to do God's will, just like following the example of Jesus did. His purpose for getting up in the morning was us and his Father. By help, uh, doing the Father's will, he was helping us. And so we should have the same attitude. But you can't get that if you don't study the Word of God. You don't put the time into it. You can't do it. It's not going to happen by itself. And a lot of Christians, you know, I see, you know, I've seen people interacting with me. It's like, you know, instead of doing the work themselves, they're, oh, you know, they're like, well, you know, ask me about the thing. Well, you know, how come, you know, they're Christians for like 30 years. How come you don't know it yet? It's like, well, you keep leaning on me to, to, to do it. But why aren't you putting the time in? Some people are so lazy, they'll call it, let's call it Bill and have him tell us what the answer is. I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind when if it's person's like a Christian for like two or three years or, you know, young, I don't, are you kidding me? They, of course, I'd more than help you to, more than uh, um, glad to help them, of course. But when there's a believers that have been around for years and they're just too lazy to study the Bible, you know, and then they just lean on the pastor to give them the answers to the questions that they should be finding for themselves in the Word of God. But they're too lazy. So the priority is to get, I can't wait to get up in the morning and study the Bible because I'm listening for God. I'm listening to God. And I'm, I'm, he's telling me things and, you know, he's helping me deal with my problems in life. And that's another blessing, of course, giving you a purpose in the morning to get up. Uh, you, you can still have this, if the Father, doing the Father's will is your, is your reason for getting up, which is revealed in the, by the Spirit and the Word of God. If that's your reason for getting up in the morning, even if you lose everything, health, everything, money, all that stuff, uh, job, you can still have a purpose in life because... God's will transcend our, transcends our circumstances, that Paul manifested that so perfectly in his life, you know? 
So it all stems from your attitude toward the Word of God. So Paul, to sum it all up, in this in Ephesians one two, this this um, what he says here. If you look at my translation, in verse two, he says, "May the grace originating from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, resulting in peace, cause itself to be manifested for the benefit of each and every one of you." So, it, in other words, what he's saying here is that I my prayer is that I have to the Father for you all that I'm writing to, which is the various Christian communities throughout the Roman province of Asia, not just the Ephesian Christian community. I pray that the grace of God, originating from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is manifested through the Spirit-inspired contents of this letter, I pray that uh, this grace, which will result in peace if we appropriate this grace by faith in the Spirit-inspired contents of this letter, I pray that this grace and pe- resulting in peace in at you as individuals and as a corp uh, interaction with each other would cause itself to be manifest. In other words, the word of God will be uh, applied for the benefit of each and every one of the recipients. So he's actually praying that they would apply the spirit-inspired contents of this letter, which uh, come from the Father and the Son. And if they do that, they'll experience peace not only as individuals, but also when interacting with each other. They'll maintain their unity, which is, by the way, as we pointed out in our introduction, the purpose of this letter. Paul wanted to maintain the, the unity experientially of the Christian community in the Roman province of Asia by through the command, by exhorting them to obey the command to love one another as, and, and all that it involves. All right. Well, that wraps up our study of verses 1 and 2 and we'll begin a study on Saturday of uh, verse 3. It'll probably be three-hour study of verse 3. It's a big, big passage. We're going to talk about... Uh, a lot of things in this. I think it's maybe. Let me see. Let me look at uh, real quickly instead of just guessing. Uh, let's see. I think uh, yeah. Verse three. Yeah, this could be three hour study. So verse three will be a three hour study. And uh, we'll be uh, Ephesians one three. So we're going to begin the doxology, uh, which is the preface. A uh, big doxology from Paul, and uh, we'll talk about what that's about. We talked about him in Jude. What doxologies are. Um, because there's a one in, th- in that letter. But we're going to see that in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, is this run, one, a big run, we call it in English, big run-on sentence, which uh, is difficult to trans- uh, translate. Um, and But uh, you can do it, but it's like, in the Greek, it's this, he piles on pe- prepositions and participles. <laughs> and it's great Greek. Nothing wrong. It's great Greek, but it, it makes difficulty to translate. So, it, but it's a lot of fun to try to translate this uh, section. It's really cool. There's so much, so much doctrine in here. So many th- amazing things. Election, predestination, the, the the work of the Father in eternity past in verses one, uh, one three to five, verses seven to twelve is about the person of Christ, a work person work of Christ. Then verse thirteen and fourteen about the work of the Holy Spirit at justification. And it's just a great, great passage. I can't wait to start teaching it. And uh, I just I finished uh, studying it not too long ago, about a couple, about three or four weeks ago, I think. But uh, we're going to be begin our study of that doxology, which is actually the preface of the letter, the uh, the the, uh, the introduction actually to the letter, the body of the letter. All right. So that's what we're going to be looking at on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. So I hope you can join us, Lord willing. We will see you then. We got. Some forecasts of some storms here this afternoon. Uh, look at the radar. We make possible tornadoes and stuff because we're getting around tornado seasons down here. So I had them in Iowa. I've had a funnel cloud whack my uh, roof one time. 
I get uh, I got a new roof out of it, but uh, it's not. I don't want you don't want to be in one of those tornadoes. So I was asking around. So oh, you get, we we go to jump in. You got like a what do you call it? Like a, a cellar to jump in. No, I just go in the bathroom. Well, that's good. If it's a it's a if it's a it's a level five one, then I'm dead. <laughs> I'll be absent from the body, face to face with the Lord. See ya. <laughs> well, hopefully I can. I'm, the Lord will keep me around for a little longer here, then I don't get uh, whacked by some tornado today. Anyways, thank you. For, uh, pray for that that I don't get whacked by a tornado. Lord, it spares me to, to live another day. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time to study your word. We pray this lesson be a blessing to your people, bringing glory to you and your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.